Welcome in to episode number seven of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. My name is Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And we are back here. Thank God we are talking about some winter sports today because, man, it is a gross rainy Tuesday when we are recording this. It's a rainy Tuesday, but there is a chill in the air. You yeah. can kind of sense that the winter sports are creeping, so it, it's good. It's a good time here at Quinnipiac. Yeah, it's so, I mean, we, we had another one of those days when it turned to November, which was kind of in the middle of when we recorded episodes, where we had another, like, 70-degree day. Uh, and, listen, and I'm yeah. out on those. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm done. <laughs> nah, nah I, I'm just a firm believer in if you don't like the weather in New England, just wait 15 minutes. It's going to change. <laughs> it's going to change. Yeah. I, if, you're, if you're like, ah, it's too hot. Well, after your lunch break, it's going to be 40, so... <laughs> Welcome well, to New England. Yeah, exactly. Like, and uh, I had I had people telling me like, no, like I love the warmer weather. I'm like, hey, I, like nobody loves the warmer weather more than me. I mean, you know, it's great. You put the shorts on, you roll down the windows, listen to some country hole nine. But like, it's November. Pick it and stick it. It's hockey season. It's basketball season. It's pick like, it and stick it. Yeah, yeah. that's a I, is that an old baseball term? I don't. I can't even. I've like, never pick, heard of it. Yeah, no. I was because I was a first baseman way back in the day. So like you'd have to pick it and then like hang on to it and make okay, sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Maybe that I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, pick it and stick it is uh, today's theme. But uh, we're back here for episode number seven. Matt McCall returns for his third episode in the co-host chair. Uh, and today we are focusing on the men's basketball program. It's a uh, the program here on campus that's got a lot of attention over the last uh, you know, 12 months or so. Baker Dunleavy came in, took over the program a year ago. Uh, he brought them to a 7-11 conference record, which was their best finish just the 2014-15 season. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about their team and what they did last year, but uh, first... We got a, num- a number of other teams going on right now, getting into playoff time, getting their seasons underway. So, without any further ado, it's the week that was in Quinnipiac Athletics. So, the men's soccer team they ended their regular season with a six nothing win against Monmouth. Uh, Rashawn Daly had two goals, and the six mat uh, were the most in a single game in program history. So, they just continue to cook in MAC play. And I mentioned it on Bobcats Weekly. All this team does is win, yeah. and all this team does is score. Like they have had an explosive year all year they, so far. They took some uh, off the field wins during the course of the last week too. As uh, junior forward Eamon Whalen was tabbed as the 2018 MAC Offensive Player of the Year, uh, he was the unanimous choice uh, for that award. It's Quinnipiac's first MAC Offensive Player of the Year since uh, the Bobcats joined the league in 2013. The junior led the MAC in points with 27. Points per game with 1.69, goals with 12, and goals per game with .75 during the regular season. I mean, there is no better choice in the MAC and no better offensive player in the MAC than this kid. I mean, he's almost averaging one goal a game, and it's soccer. Right. Like, that is that's <laughs> a sport that's, that barely averages one goal a game. It's, it's unheard of. Yeah, it's unheard of, and he was a superstar man, head and shoulders above any other player in the MAC. A well-deserved award. And the amazing thing to me is, I mean, the kid's a junior. He's not even done. That's yeah. not even his peak performance, you hope. Yeah, literally. He like scores goals and he looks at head coaches like, "See you next year." Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'll be doing remember, the same thing to you next remember year. Remember this face, I'm coming yeah. back and haunting you again. So yeah, uh, the Bobcats earned uh, 5 awards in total uh, in the MAC for their regular season play. Three All-MAC First Team honorees. It was Eamon Whalen, Rashawn Daly, and Yepeare. Uh, and two All-Rookie Team selections. So uh, good for the Bobcats there. 
they had a bye in the first round of the MAC playoffs. So this week, actually tomorrow on Thursday, they host three seed Marist in the MAC semifinals. They beat Marist one nothing on the road in their second to last regular season game. So uh, a good season series for the Bobcats against Marist, and they head into playoff action tomorrow. And for the men's tennis team at the Connecticut State Championships at Yale, Brian Schick defeated UConn's Evan Powell in the main draw finals on Sunday afternoon in the tournament. And Patrick Shakapero also won in straight sets during the final round of his respective consolation bracket. While Jack Alexander also won his match in the backdraw finals for the Bobcats. And now that team is off until January of 2019. So a good finish there for the Bobcats men's tennis team. They're done until January 2019. So hope you got a chance to go out and see them at Yale. The women's volleyball team, they dropped a close match against fourth place Marist by a 3-1 margin last weekend. But then they responded with a win over Siena. That match was 3-1 as well. Kat Miller recorded 25 kills in the win. And she now sits just 18 kills shy of 1,000 for her career. For that effort, she was named the MAC player of of the week and we're sitting right on the edge of history right now uh, with two ga- two matches rather remaining in Mac play and you definitely want to be in the gym when she breaks that record yeah I, I know I know we're not supposed to jinx her but it, it's going down it's yeah. going down with 20 yeah with 25 coming in against Sienna uh, it's it's looking pretty good for the chances there for Cat Miller so uh, the final two matches of the season are this weekend or regular season rather the Bobcats host Canisius uh, Saturday at one o'clock for their senior day oh my god could you imagine if she does it on senior day unbelievable <laughs> way to do that with all <laughs> the parents be, and everybody in the yeah, stands that'd yeah that'd be legit that'd be legit yeah pack Burke Con for that one and then Sunday they finish up their regular season with a match against Niagara at one o'clock both cross country teams are on the road again. They can't wait to get on the road again. They're going to the NCAA Regional Championships this weekend in Buffalo, New York. Best of luck to both teams as they will be competing against the region's best. And we will have the results of those races for you guys next show. Women's rugby, uh, they begin play in the NIRA tournament this weekend. Uh, They're hosting Notre Dame College this Saturday at 1 o'clock at the Quinnipiac Rugby Field. Uh, During the regular season, they beat NDC 33-10. That game was in late September, so uh, a big tournament game coming up here for the Quinnipiac women's rugby team. The winner of this game will advance to the NIRA semifinals Friday, November 16th in Hanover, New Hampshire. Women's hockey took down Harvard 1-0 at home Friday night. Kenzie Prater scored the lone goal. She's a reoccurring guest. See? While Avi Ives put up her third straight shutout. The team also dropped a close one to Dartmouth the day after. The final was 3-2 in overtime. Taylor House, who was also a reoccurring guest, and Sarah Evkutu-Gadbu scored the goals in that loss. The women's hockey team is off this week, but will return home in two weeks to continue their ECAC hockey play. So, Matt, you could say this podcast has had a, uh, a positive effect on some of our past guests. We'd like to thank Yeah, allegedly. There's a chance. Uh, on the other side of the ice for the men's team, they won their first conference game of the season by a score of 5-3 at Harvard Friday night. Brogan Rafferty had three assists for the Bobcats, while Chase Prisky and Odin Tufto both had a goal and an assist. Chase Prisky former guest. Yep. We're seeing the trend. All right. Uh, Keith Petrozelli picked up the win in net, stopping 34 of 37 shots he faced. Uh, the Bobcats dropped the second game of the weekend 5-1 to at Dartmouth. Chase Prisky's power play goal was the lone tally for the Bobcats. Wait former guest. Wait. I think. He, I, th- I yeah. think. Do you he, remember? He was on the show. Okay, there you go. Uh, regardless of that loss, they moved up to number 13 in the USCHO weekly poll. This week it was announced uh, yesterday that that happened. They also remain at number 12 in the USA Today weekly poll. So the Bobcats moving up the national ranks. They return home this weekend to continue conference play against RPI and Union. The women's basketball team 
they begin play this week with two non-conference games on the road. That's right, college basketball is back. Drexel on Friday at 7 p.m. in Philadelphia. That's where our Bobcats will be playing. And then Bucknell on Sunday at 4 p.m. in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. A number of storylines surround the team this year, so be sure to watch out for them. They got picked first in the preseason MAC poll, 10 out of 11 first-place votes. Aaron McClure, she got picked as the MAC preseason player of the year for the second straight season. Jen Fay, she was named preseason All-MAC first team. And Paula Stratmanet was named All-MAC second team. This team is going to continue its dominance this year. It's Mark absolutely my words. unbelievable the the amount of honors that this team is bringing back already, and they continue to get honored, you know, as the top team in the MAC after some of the success they've had the last few years. They were also picked first in the College Insider Mid-Major Top 25 poll for the third time in program history, and then they earned eight votes in the USA Today's Top 25 poll. The recognition just doesn't stop for this team. No, it's uh, and now they're getting to the point where not only are they being recognized as the best mid-major team, but they're getting mentioned in the same poll as UConn and some of these other you know best teams in the country that you're coming up against. So don't sleep. Uh, an incredible start to the season for the women's basketball team, and they haven't even tipped off yet in their first game. So don't sleep. Make sure you're keeping an eye on them this weekend. They're playing again at Drexel on Friday and at Bucknell on Sunday. We move to our final team of the rundown here and the team that we are focusing on for today's episode. It's the men's basketball team. They open up the season, Matt, at number 9 Villanova this Saturday at 8 p.m. If you want to catch the game, it's televised on FS2, that's Fox Sports 2, and on radio on WQUN. An unbelievable, first before we get into some of the things about this team, an unbelievable way to start the, start the season for these guys. It's going to be electric. It's going to be Baker Dunleavy's homecoming. He was an assistant coach there. And it's just going to be a cool, cool scene. Yeah. So if you definitely want to check this out, go to FS2, watch this game. It's going to be a cool scene. And uh, when we talk to our guests that we'll introduce you to in a little bit, they mentioned how, you know, for this, it's not really you're trying to take down Goliath here, especially in your first game of the season. It's a learning experience, a chance to, uh, you know, see how some of these bigger nationally ranked programs play. And I think it's going to be learning and kind of gaining some experience. That's the biggest thing you can ask for from this game. Exactly. Listen, if they beat this team, they beat this team. All right, cool. If they lose, they lose. Right. It's going to be, like you said, learning experience. And they mentioned it in the interviews. It's just going to see where this team is at fundamentally, how they're working together chemistry-wise. It's going to be cool. Absolutely. So uh, with this team, a number of storylines coming in with them as well. Uh, they were picked to finish tied for third in the MAC preseason coaches poll. Uh, Ryder came in at number one in that one. Canisius was number two, and then Quinnipiac was tied with Iona for third. Graduate guard Cameron Young earned all MAC first team honors uh, in the preseason coaches poll, while sophomore guard Rich Kelly earned third team honors. For Coach Baker Dunleavy, who we're going to talk to next in this episode, he's our first guest. He signed a five-year extension with Quinnipiac in August. That goes through the 2022-23 season, and he was named to the athletics list of 30 NCAA men's basketball coaches to watch for the 2018-19 season. So this guy came in, you know, a little over 12 months ago, made some immediate changes to the program, and he's ready to lock in long-term with this team. And you want to know why you want to watch out for him too? His suit game is flames. (laughs) I'm a huge suit guy. This guy is the cream of the crop when it comes to suit game. Some unreal style. Uh, and then for senior forward, Abdullah Bundu, who is our second guest on today's episode, uh, he played in all 33 games for the Bobcats last year, including 23 starts. He averaged 5.2 points and 5.8 rebounds per game. 
you know, so for, for Dooley, as he's called around the locker room, he's a senior on this team on a very young team and a team that has a younger core. So his role, just as much as he played in all 33 games and started 23, his role with this team is to be a leader and to kind of help some of these younger guys transition over into the Baker Dunleavy era. Absolutely. And he is a player that leads by example. And he'll mention that in the interview. He leads by example. He's a big man underneath the hoop. He's going to be strong on the box outs, strong on the rebounds. I think he'll average more this season. He averaged 5.8 last year. He'll probably average closer to 7, I believe, this season. So with this team last year, they uh, took major steps, especially for you know a team that was coming in with a first-year coach. They were 7-11 and 11 in conference last year, which we mentioned. Uh, their best finish in a couple years. They beat number 10 Siena College 67-58 in the first round of the MAC, and then they came back and upset number 2 Canisius in the MAC quarterfinals. That was the big uh, the biggest win of the year by far, and just that showed what this team is capable of in, in years coming. Yeah, they had that why not us attitude during right. the MAC tournament, and uh, unfortunately they ran into Fairfield in the semis and lost, but that Canisius win showed with the new head coach and with the new system, like, hey, okay, let's try and get the ball rolling here. Like, we can be we can be something dangerous in the future. Yeah, Bobcats got something coming. Because that season, they were picked to finish last in the MAC, and they just, they backs against the wall, had no regrets, just went to the hoop and attacked and attacked and didn't quit. Right, so while eventually they lost to uh, number 6 Fairfield in the semifinals, it was still you know an unprecedented run to the semis for the Bobcats basketball team. So, like we mentioned, we talked to head coach Baker Dunleavy and senior forward Abdullah Bundu in this episode. Let's hear what Baker Dunleavy had to say about the 2018-19 Bobcats basketball team. <laughs> And we're back here on episode number seven of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast, and we're honored to be joined by the second-year head coach of Quinnipiac men's basketball, Baker Dunleavy. How are you today, Coach? Doing great. Good to be with you guys. Thanks for thanks for taking the time today. We know you're you're gearing up for the big weekend uh, against Villanova. So uh, again, so you're coming in your second year as the Quinnipiac head coach, but um, started as uh, a player at Villanova. Um, but first off, I mean, you come from a, a basketball family, essentially. Um, so, I mean, when did when did basketball start to become the thing that, that you knew you were going to do? Yeah, like when you're a son of a coach, you kind of – I think you can go one of two ways. You either hate it or you love it. You know, there's yeah. probably not much middle ground. So, uh, I have two other brothers, so there's three of us, and um, kind of like a traveling basketball circus growing up. <laughs> I, my dad worked in a lot of different cities for different teams as an NBA head coach. And uh, we would just kind of just follow his coattails to practice every day and every day that we could and be around the games. We were really lucky get, getting exposed to a lot of the things we probably took took for granted back then. But, um, you know, just loved being around the game and, and emulated the players we saw and um, just 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 loved it. And you know, one thing that was was interesting was just kind of seeing up close and personal, you know, my dad being able to communicate with players, you know, and different types of players. Magic Johnson was the first player he ever coached as a head coach. That was his first ever head coaching job. You not, know? not a bad start. You know, yeah, that's so a, like replacing that's Pat a name we're familiar with, yeah. <laughs> so just like, you know, the evolution of him becoming, you know, go from a young coach to the to an older coach. And you know, I wish back then I knew I was going to be a coach. I always thought I would be a Hall of Fame player, which didn't turn out the way I expected. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you're young, you're not thinking you're going to be a coach, but you still you store some of those memories and you right. keep them there. So well, since you are a former player, do you feel like you can re relate to these guys even more as a coach? I think because I've been around it and seen it from a player's view, it helps 
my role at Villanova was limited. You know, I had a lot of better players on the team than, than me. So actually it helps me kind of be able to be in some guys' shoes that maybe aren't playing as much as they want, you know. And then I've played with guys like Kyle Lowry and, and guys who are in the NBA now, coach guys who are in the NBA who are the best players. So I think I have a hopefully, you know, a wide range of experiences that I'm able to, you know, offer advice, teach guys, have empathy and, and uh, help guys get better than they'd otherwise be. You know, I think that's kind of the role of the coach. Otherwise, they don't need you. So, right. you know, like how can you help players be something that they otherwise wouldn't be if you weren't in their life? So, I, so you're, I mean, you're growing up essentially in NBA locker rooms. Who, who are some of the, uh, the names that you, were, that you were able to kind of interact yeah, with? Yeah, like my dad, my dad coached some really interesting teams. I mean, okay. his first head coaching job was with the Lakers. They went to the, the finals against the Bulls. It was Jordan's first championship. So, um, you know, he replaces Pat Riley. They go to the finals. Everything's great. And then that following summer or fall, uh, Magic announces that he's HIV positive. Yeah. So, obviously, kind of took the world by shock. So, that was a that's a experience from my youth that is just still ingrained in my head. You know, just that moment. Um, and then he took a team the next year that was because they didn't have Magic you know, probably a little bit um, overlooked. They went to the playoffs. It was a, it was great. And then from there, we went to uh, Milwaukee, only two years in L.A., and Milwaukee is where he was a player, an assistant coach, and they gave him a, an offer he couldn't turn down to come back to Milwaukee long-term, great family option, um, and, you know, coached guys like actually Ray Allen, a local UConn sure, guy, yeah. wow. and, and some some really good players there. But I think probably the most, the most interesting of his teams are – uh, the Portland Trailblazers teams that had a lot of, lot of really good players and interesting characters. Yeah. yeah. And so riding on some of those bus rides with Rasheed Wallace, J.R. Ryder, <laughs> Bonzi Wells, those guys um, were, were you know, I learned a lot of new words. You know, I think we're probably <laughs> a nice way to put it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And one thing that's really interesting about that team in particular is the amount of like incredible players that have come as as kids of those players. So if you look at like a kid that we had at Villanova, Jalen Brunson, his yes. dad Rick yeah, yeah, yeah. was on that team. Um, Gary Trent's son was on Duke last year as a one and done. Uh, Arvita Sabonis' son is now in the NBA. Um, Scotty Pippen's son is like a high school up and coming All American. Greg Anthony's son, Cole Anthony, is the number one point guard in the country. I mean, you, the list goes on. Yeah, it's really crazy. So. Um, and then obviously my brother was a great player at Duke. I, I missed the boat on that list, but um, but pretty cool. I, I wasn't drinking the same water as those guys. Yeah, apparently. I guess yeah. not. Yeah. Hey, but still, I mean, blazing your own trail. So exactly. There's, there's exactly. No, nothing to yeah. be ashamed of. But there so when go. so when did you figure out that okay, playing may not be may not be the way to the show, but coaching is what I want to do. When did that become a reality? It happens, it happens late. I, uh, I know I hear people say like I want to be a coach from day one, but for me that wasn't the case. I wanted to be a player even while I was at Villanova. You know, just, hey, things will break and, you know, I'll break into the starting lineup, have a good year or whatever. And, and I did. I played overseas for a little bit after I graduated college. But I knew towards the end of college, like, oh, this isn't going to be an NBA path for me. And um, and I went back to Wall Street. My, my degree from Villanova was in, was in finance. So I worked at Merrill Lynch for three and a half years during, you know, during the recession, which was an interesting time to be working in that world. Learned a ton. But but one thing I learned was all right, I, this is the first time in a long time I haven't been around a team and, and I miss it. And regardless of of the paycheck, you know I'm going to go back and make no money and, and become an administrator at Villanova. I became the the director of basketball operations. I was the assistant strength coach. I I, I 
I held a lot of roles just trying to kind of grind my way into an assistant coaching role, but that's the way everybody does it in this business, and it's a sacrifice, but one that's paid off. So you get that assistant coaching role. You're with Jay right now at Villanova. What has Jay taught you, and what's your relationship with him now? Well, we're, we're extremely close, and, and um, you know, the word family gets, you know, kind of thrown around in sports, but... You know, like for me, I, I traveled a lot, around a lot growing up. I lived in a lot of different cities. Um, Villanova, by far, is the place I, I've been the longest. You know, four years as a, as a student and then seven as a coach. So 11 years. I mean, I, I can't. I think the next closest would be like six or seven in Milwaukee. So um, that's been, to this point, home for, for my wife and I and our kids. So, and, and, and Coach Wright has treated us like family and he's treated me like a son. So I've learned so much kind of what – Obviously, from the basketball side, but what I want our identity and our culture to be here, um, there's so many different ways to do it, you know, like as a coach, how to build your program, the type of players you want, the type of people you want. So that's one that I've just seen up and close, uh, up close and personal. I believe in it. I know it's not the only way to do it, but in terms of building a culture and building a program, you know, we're going to model it after what I've really learned there. So we'll get we'll get back to Villanova in in a second because I mean that's a that's a hot button topic coming sure. for Quinnipiac now. But how how did Quinnipiac come about for you? What was the process that you're 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 sitting as a as an assistant coach in Villanova and then now you're in Hamden, Connecticut? What sure. was that? What was that process for you? Yeah, those things they happen quickly. You know, I mean, I, at the end of your season, you're in your conference tournament, you're in the NCAA tournament, and when you're you know you're fortunate to be associated with winning. Uh, a highly ranked team, uh, a program with the reputation of Villanova, you get opportunities. And so, you know, you get some calls from different schools. Meanwhile, you're, you know, you're doing a scouting report for, um, you know, Creighton in the Big East tournament. So you're balancing a lot. And so really it's just trying to eliminate those distractions. And some of them you're like, you know what, hey, somebody's going to be really lucky to get that job, but that's just not for me. Um, But when Quinnipiac came across uh, the table – I'll be honest, I didn't know a ton about it, but what I had heard from other people was all positive, just in terms of how they felt the word, you know, it was kind of the word potential, you know, the, the potential for this program to be great, you know, the, the investment that's been made, you know, from the president all the way through the administration and wanting to be good. And that's kind of like, in my mind, you know, I've always had kind of priorities, you know, like, well, what is your priority? Do you want to go somewhere with the biggest name brand to the highest level conference? Do you want to go somewhere in a certain region? You know, to me, it was always about, you know, when I when I recruited players and when I recommended where players go to, to school, I always I always felt like they should choose on fit. You know, where where do you fit? And fit is is based on your priorities. And for me, um, it was about getting into an atmosphere where you could recruit kids who cared about being the best players, but also students they could be. Uh, an atmosphere that would support you in terms of the way you want to run your program. And um, with the resources to do things at a really high level relative to those in your league. And I, and I think that was definitely the case here. And then when you come to school, when you, when you visit campus for the first time, you're blown away by the beauty of it, how great the people are. Yeah. You, know, you meet a lot of people here that have been here a long time. Billy so, Mecca. Yeah, Billy Mecca is one of them. And, and when, you, when you meet people that way, like, you can't force people to stay somewhere. You know, and, and they, they want to be here. So I think that was indicative. So it wasn't just one thing, but I, th- I think I got a really good gut feeling. And then obviously it's a family environment and we have, we have young kids. And so that's been great as well. So you jump in, you mentioned that Jay Wright taught you a lot about culture. Sure. You're trying to establish culture, I, w- I would assume, from day one. 
what is the culture for Quinnipiac basketball that you're trying to establish? Yeah, well, I think the way you do it is just who you hire and who you recruit. I mean, just, that's – and do you associate yourself with a school that has a culture that you believe in? So, like, I would hope that ours ties into that of the school, you know, a, a culture of growth. You know, this place has grown immensely. Um, a culture of treating people the right way and trying to do things the right way. And, and, and so, again, the parents of the players that we recruit from, the players themselves, the staff members you hire – you know, what, what do they believe in? Do they believe in being able to grow, taking the process of coaching? Um, it all starts with talent, you know. It, it always does, you know, being able to recruit talent. But from there, like, are you, are you willing to put the growth of the team and winning above anything else? And I think, I think we have that. And not just with the guys that we've recruited so far, but the guys that stayed from the previous coaching staff, I've really appreciated the way they've handled things, you know, and guys like Abdullah Bundu and the Robinson twins, Cameron Young. Uh, these guys really have embraced our message, and, and they didn't have to, you know, like they could have really resisted it and fought it. And they, they've been amazing. So, it, it 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 really is everybody, and it's it starts with the people. So you mentioned recruiting and how big it is, and we're starting to see three-star recruits visiting this campus and looking at the school now. What is your technique for recruits and do you leave it up to them, or are there are there special kind of secret weapons you have in the back pocket to kind of pull them in? And think, what do you what are you looking for in a recruit? Yeah, right. I think it goes back to fit, you know. And so, what are, what are we looking for them to fit into? First of all, um, the way we want to play, you know. And so, all the perimeter players that we recruit, we want to be skilled, fundamentally sound, solid IQ basketball players, you know, that are um, not necessarily specialists, but guys that can do a little bit of everything. And then everybody that we recruit, you know, inside out, just to be able to play hard, toughness, guys that, guys that want to be coached and get better. But in terms of the rankings, it's more so about – because at Villanova, we recruited a lot of guys who – we probably didn't make the biggest splashes with the rankings of the, with the guys we recruited, but guys got better. And, and it wasn't anything magical that we did as a staff. There was just consistency to being open to, to changing things, you know, embracing – being uncomfortable and trying things that maybe you hadn't done before and getting better at those things. So for us, it's like, you know, yes, we, we got to identify talent, talent that fits how we want to play, but then get to know the kids. And that's why most of the kids that you'll see us recruit are going to be from, you know, the D.C., Maryland area all the way up through New England. These areas that we can drive to, we can get to see them a lot, watch them play, spend time with their families, so that before they even step foot here as a freshman, We've had years of developing that relationship, and, and that's how you develop trust. Tell me about uh, the development that you saw in last year's team because, I mean, you go 7-11 and 11 in the conference, which was the best finish in since 14-15, I believe. But right. then we talked about this when we, we recorded our Open yesterday, the upset against number 2 Canisius. I mean, you can see the development in last year's squad, but what did you see from a coaching perspective? I, thought, I always talk about this. The most amazing thing about last year's team was the way they came to work every day, like – we had stretches where we had some brutal losses, you know, and just even as a coach, they take a lot out. They just take the wind out of your sails. Like, how can I go back to practice tomorrow? And you come into practice and guys had energy. They were, ha you know, they were not happy that we lost, but they had energy to get better the next day. And that's really hard. Again, that, that comes back to character. Uh, that was really special. We lost seven of eight games down the stretch in conference because um, I, I believe we were seven and maybe four four at one point in the league 
And it's just our schedule was backloaded. We had a lot of really tough games down yeah. the stretch. And a number of overtime, double overtime games in Three that stretch, Three double too. overtime games yeah. on yeah. the road. And a lot we could have done better to win those games. But we were grinding. Like, we weren't getting our butts kicked. Like, we were, we were, we were in close games. And the ball kind of didn't bounce our way in a lot of them. So that's what I think is I'm most proud of in terms of that Canisius win. Yes, the Canisius win. But to have the mentality to come into the MAC tournament and and have that approach to go beat Siena on their home floor, to beat the number two seed, you know, and play well, you know, because because I wouldn't have blamed guys f- playing for a first year coach saying like, all right, we had a good start, but it's over, you know, let's just gear up for next season. Like they were really locked in and excited to go play that tournament after having a tough kind of road down the stretch. Yeah, that's I mean when you if you're dropping those kind of numbers, I mean that can really just kind of put you off yeah, into next was, season. It, it was. It was kind of like a why not us attitude. Yeah. Like it was it yeah. was we're going to play our game and stick to our game and whatever the outcome is, we're we're going to try and win. Right. And I was excited about it cuz I knew, you know, we had guys starting. We had a game at Iona where Andrew Robinson was hurt. So we had pre- probably like seven players at our disposal. And so we had a freshman point guard uh, and a freshman forward in Ragoni and Rich Kelly play 48 minutes in a double overtime game. You know, I mean, 48 wow. minutes. That's insane. <laughs> for guys who aren't, you know, they're not they're not freak athletes. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just not. So, I mean, for, I think that set us back. I think we got tired. But, again, mentally they stayed locked in. But experiences that would carry over, not just for this year, but for the rest of their careers, I think those guys – will be more mature than their class indicates. Right. I mean, when you throw them right into the fire like that, there's yeah. there, there's no better way to kind of gain that maturity. So I want to go back to Villanova because I've always wanted to ask this question. The national championship, buzzer goes off, he hits the three, you guys are national champions. And if you watch the clip over again, I can see you, you mouth the words to your coaches, we got to go shake hands. Yeah. Do you remember this at all or is it a blur? Because I found yeah. it. I found it so funny to watch. Like you're celebrating, and then <laughs> the camera goes to you, and you go, "Oh, we got to shake hands." Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Everybody's been in that. Maybe not in the national title game, but everybody's yeah. been in that position. Right. You know, like yeah. where you. It's definitely one of three in this and room. I probably had that conversation after we beat Canisius. Our guys were excited. Yeah. You know, and just like we got plenty of time to celebrate, and I just wanted to make sure we finished it the right way because Coach Wright was already going off to shake hands with Roy Williams right. at that point. Um. Because obviously he wasn't phased by the shot. <laughs> so I was like, we but, can't just but, have our head coaches yeah. the one shaking hands. But yeah. So I kind of vaguely remember that. What I do remember is as the ball went through, yeah, I, I thought it was good in terms of timing. Like he had gotten it off. Right. I was pretty confident. But I also knew like, all right, we don't want to go nuts. And then all of a sudden they wave it off. And then now we got to get our adrenaline back down right. to play. Yeah, right. So I kind of tempered my celebration because of that. I noticed that. And you then were, when you were the, pretty calm when it went in. When the confetti went off, I was like, well <laughs> – even if he didn't get off, they can't clean this up. So let's just let's go shake hands. Yes. You know. Um, so quickly before we uh, before we wrap this up, um, heading into the 2018-19 season, you still have a relatively young squad, but they have this maturity that you spoke of. Season gets underway this Saturday against Villanova. Um, twofold question: First of all, what are you seeing from your squad so far through the first couple weeks of practice, and what do we should what should we expect from Villanova coming into this game? Sure, I think. We have an interesting dynamic with our roster. We have, um, I, th- I love our, our talent and our character. We have a young group in terms of experience. So, like, people would say Cam Young's back for his fifth year. Well, it's only his second year of playing college basketball. Right. You know, like last year was the first year he ever scored a point in Division One. So, he's almost like a sophomore that we're trying to get 
to be a senior. And I don't mean that as anything but reality. You know, so we got to get him, his growth even more sped up. But he's, he's been playing great. He can really score the basketball, as we all know. Yeah. So it starts there. And then we have a mature group of seniors, like the Robinsons and Dooley. Like those guys, those guys are grizzled veterans. They're serious. Like they're great leaders. So we have that going for us. And then I think we have mature young players. But they, again, like Kevin Marfo, Travis Atson transfer in. They're sophomores that really haven't played meaningful college basketball yet. You know, their last meaningful in-game pressure moments were in high school. So my point is, and the freshmen are freshmen, I love what we can be by the end of the year. Just like I said the same thing at the beginning of last year. Our ceiling for this year's team is way higher than it was last year. But it might take a similar process. And I don't even mean in terms of wins and losses, but becoming the best version of ourselves, that can happen a lot quicker when you bring back five, six, seven guys who are juniors and seniors that have played for the same coach and you have that continuity. We don't have that luxury yet, but my hope is, I mean, we have a group here of freshmen and sophomores that in my mind should play together now for three or four years straight. And we'll have that one day, you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll have yeah, that. Yeah. But we, but we don't have that right now. We don't. So, um, my hope is it won't be seven out of eight games we lose this year, but we're going to take our lumps throughout the parts of the schedule. And then can if we can match last year's ability to respond and keep coming and keep getting better, then I really think this team could be pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, quickly, we, we always ask three before we go questions. Sure. These are more personal ones. Uh, the, re know you as a the, the real yeah. thinkers. Yeah. Uh, so Lightning the, round. Yes. Yep. Uh, so the first one, uh, if you can live anywhere in the country besides Hamden, Connecticut, because we would all rather be here, where would it be and why? Well... Or, I mean, in the world. That's the world. a trick world, question. Yeah. So my wife is from Philadelphia. And okay. if you don't know anybody from Philadelphia, oh, oh. they think yeah. that the world revolves around that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the yeah. epicenter. Yeah. So, so this is the first time my wife has lived outside of the Philadelphia area. So if I said anything other than that, um, she'd be pretty upset. But, you know, like one place I would say for everybody, I would recommend everybody go to. It's a really cool city. As I lived in Portland, Oregon growing up. Oh, and okay. that's not a place most people have a reason to get to. Um, you know, they have one pro sports team. It's kind of like a college town. But Oregon, the Pacific Northwest in general is pretty cool. Okay. If you like the outdoors or like a great – it's just a really cool laid-back lifestyle. I, I, we loved it there. And when we moved there, I knew the Oregon, Oregon Trail video game is probably above you. You guys are too <laughs> wait, young to know what wait, that wait, is. Wait. This was a computer game. This wasn't is like it? a like on the old school desktop, like yes. the first version of Apple ever, like, like a survival game. You have like to survive. You, if you went to like yeah, if you went to school yeah. early and you got to school early in like third grade, people <laughs> be fighting over who gets to play Oregon Trail. <laughs> what? So it's like a survival yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, it was brutal. There were there were deaths. <laughs> oh, yeah. There were deaths. People died. People died. You know, you know, there were deaths in that. But um. Uh, you know, knew that. And then when we moved, like my mom cried, like, we're like, where is it? Can we find this on a map? But we ended up loving it. So that would be kind of my secondary answer. Okay. Uh, next one. If you could have dinner with someone either alive or deceased, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good We've one. had people do family members, I've, people from my the choice. Court. My choice is Frank Sinatra. I'd like to have dinner with him. That's a really good one. Yeah. That's a, this is one of those that you wish you were prepared for. Yep. I should know that. Um, We'd love you know, to have you me, back if you think of a different one. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, like for me, um, I'm a big fan of like American history. Um, I love like my wife and I went to see the play Hamilton. That was really cool. Um, we could go for another 12 minutes yeah. on Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, between the music, but just the, the educational part of the history. Um, 
you know, like it would probably have to be a former president, you know, whether it's JFK or Lincoln or, you know, th those type of guys, you know, just, just learning about leadership and people who went through really hard decisions. Because as a coach, you think you go through all these hard decisions and then you're dealing, you know, with, with guys who are in those shoes, even even President Obama and President Bush, some of the things that they went through. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just talking to leaders at the highest levels and like, how do you make decisions? You know, I think that's, for me, um, something that would be really interesting. And then I'm a huge fan of, uh, of like, 90s comedy. Okay. Like, so Chris, like Chris Rock? Like, no, no, no. Like, like ridiculous movies like Tommy Boy. And, okay. And okay. Dumb and Chris, Farley, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Chris Farley was a guy that, like, Saturday Night Live, when I was a kid, yeah. I used yeah. to, that was regular appointment TV, stay up and watch Chris Farley, Adam yeah. Sandler, all those guys in the glory days of SNL. So Chris uh, Farley would be a guy that I would love to hang out with. Adam Sandler's new Netflix special, he does a tribute to Chris Farley. Does it's he really? really, it's really, really Adam good. Sandler used to do, um, like, these, back when people listened to CDs, you would, like, buy Adam Sandler's CD. Oh my so, God. like, half of it was his stand-up and half of it was him singing and doing music. <laughs> And it was just like it was it was hilarious. It was, he did such unbelievable stuff. Wow, there, that's a, that's quite the quite the other end of the spectrum yeah. between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, uh, you are on death row. What is your final meal? Dinner, drink, and dessert. Dinner, drink, and dessert. I'm a huge fan of Mexican food. Okay, oh, that's a great answer. <laughs> so there, even though I've lived in California. My mom is from Fort Worth, Texas, so we'd always go back to Texas growing up, whether it's for Christmas or holidays. And there's a restaurant in Fort Worth, Texas that's famous among Texans called Joe T. Garcia's Mexican. And uh, I don't get there very often now, and I haven't had it in years, but that's up there with one of the best meals I've ever See, had. I thought you were going barbecue when you were going back home to no, Texas. But the, no, yeah. no, really okay. good, really good. Um, dessert, <laughs> dessert. I think, you know, from living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, the custard out there, the frozen custard is ridiculous. Ooh, okay. Wow, okay. Yeah. Like, if anybody goes through the Midwest and you're traveling through Milwaukee, I'm giving you some pretty bleak cities to, <laughs> to like, go out of your way to try and get to. But uh, there's, a, there's a place called uh, Cops. Cops. It's just unbelievable custard, uh, which is something. Again, just kind of memories that I miss being able to have. Yeah. And so mostly all unhealthy food that I haven't had in a while. There you so, go. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the only thing you can ask for. So yeah. do, you, uh, do you have a drink for us too? Hopefully, if I'm on death row, hopefully something that puts me to sleep real quick. I <laughs> use <laughs> some tequila to go with my uh, no, with, my, with my Mexican food. <laughs> Maybe a margarita. margarita, yeah. margarita. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Coach Baker, Don Levy, thank you so much for taking the time today, and uh, best of luck heading into the season. Thanks, Thanks Coach. you guys. Love what you guys are doing. <laughs> So thanks so much to head coach Baker Dunleavy for joining us here on episode number seven of the Quinnipiac Athletics podcast. And Matt, this guy's electric, like you said, and he's shooting for the moon here with this program. And why not? Yeah. Because he can. He's got a system in place that he learned through Villanova and he learned through his father that has been working here at Quinnipiac. It's been working in the MAC conference. So let's roll with it. So our next conversation here in this episode, we talked to senior forward Abdullah Bundu, uh, not only about this 2018-19 squad, but a little more about him. He was born in Sierra Leone, ended up coming to the United States when he was seven years old, I believe. If you haven't gotten a chance, uh, make sure you Google him and find the Sports Illustrated uh, 
article that was written about him last year. It's an amazing story, and we got a, an in-person look with him as to you know how he started there and ended up becoming a basketball player and why Quinnipiac was the right fit for him. It was an unbelievable conversation. Absolutely, and he, he is a, like I said earlier, a guy who leads by example, a guy who cares about his teammate and is loyal to the program. Let's talk to Dooley. And we're back here on episode number seven of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast, and we're joined here by senior forward Abdullah Bundu of the men's basketball team. How are you today, man? I am doing well. I cannot complain at all, man. Good. That's a that's good. a good way to be on a Monday. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we're we joining you here, and thank you for taking the time also. We're no right problem. before practice for this. But, um, you know, we want to kind of get your, your personal story, uh, how you ended up at Quinnipiac and, and things like that, and then also talk about – the transition that you've seen because it's been a, a crazy couple of years for the the basketball program that that yeah. you've been a part of so um first off when you first look up your name a, a incredible story from sports illustrated comes up about yeah. crazy your, crazy story your journey of coming from sierra leone and coming to america yeah so i mean obviously that was that was many years back but yeah. You know what? What do you remember from from that experience and from your your younger days and coming to America? Um, I mean, things were a lot different. You know, um, growing up, I was living with my grandmother's aunts, uncles, nieces—not nieces, but um, cousins. Yeah. So it was just one big house or just one big home. You know, full of all family members. And you know, next thing you know, you're waking up, you're in America with your actual mom and dad. Your two younger brothers, along with your older brother, who came along with you. So you know it was a big change, a lot of emotions, a lot of things to get used to. You know, I had to get used to the fact that yeah, I'm in America now. So <laughs> I had to get used to the American ways. Um, the language was. It took a while. It took about two, maybe three years for me to get comfortable with the American language, and you know, just associating. You know, I was a quiet kid. So making friends was kind of tough, especially when, you know, you felt like you were a little different from everybody else, just being from where I'm from. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, I, you could see I made the best of it. So. Yeah. So when did when did basketball come along for you? Uh, basketball came along for me around, like, eighth grade year. Uh, I still remember the story to this day. Like I tell people, walking down the hallway, middle school coach walks by me, asks me, like, how tall I am. <laughs> Tell them I'm like five nine, five ten. You know, this wow, eighth, so grade. eighth grade. That's yeah, wild. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just walking around. Um, asks me if I've ever played basketball. I'm looking at him like I've never even heard of basketball. So he he tells me like come to the gym after school. I go to the gym. He introduces me to the sport. I start to develop the liking for it. You know, the first thing he taught me was the basics: drop step, make the layup. Run and block shots. Yeah, <laughs> no dribbling, no shooting, none of that. Everything yeah. was just the five, basics. Five ten yeah. blocking shots is pretty easy. Yeah, <laughs> and plus I had I was a natural born soccer player, so like I had footwork and I was athletic enough at just that age itself, you know. So which helped me out a lot. Um, I, as the years went on, I just developed a love for the game. So I told him I wanted to play high school ball, and my last game in middle school, he introduced me to the local high school coach. Okay. And from there, it was just uh, one of those relationships, Coach Carter relationships, if you would have said to myself. Um, <laughs> went to high school, you know, freshman year, played JV, because we only had a JV in the varsity. I really started getting into it my sophomore year. That's when I, that's when all the weightlifting came in, constantly in the gym, just working on my game. Sometimes I wouldn't go home until like 2 a.m. 
But wow. my mom wasn't worried because she knew where I was at, though. Yeah. Yeah. Every time she called me, where you at? I'm in the gym. She got to the point where she just calls me, are you in the gym? I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, she was perfectly fine with it. Um, senior year came along. I got my first offer, which was actually at Saint, from St. Saint Peter's. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I had LIU Brooklyn right after, and Quinnipiac was my third offer. Okay. So, you know, I did end up, you know, taking visits to many other schools. But when I came here, I just felt like it was home. Yeah. You know, just one of those trips where it's like you come and you leave, and you're like, damn, I want to come back. So I'm sitting – I remember the day before I made my decision, I was sitting with my high school coach. We were doing a – what was this? A comparison contrast chart. We had the two schools I had to pick, Quinnipiac, and I forgot what the other school was. And we just started comparing, and everything just said Quinnipiac. Wow. And I was just like, you know what? He was like, you know where you want to go. I don't even know why we're doing it. Crumples the papers, <laughs> throws yeah. it in the trash you, can. You knew this coming into the yeah, world. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's yeah. what it, this is how I ended up over here. Did your brothers have any influence with uh, your basketball growing up, or, or the, were you, you the only one who was invested, fully invested in basketball? Uh, to be honest with you, at the moment, I was the only one that was playing the sport. You know, like the other two wanted to play like football. But, you know, as I started becoming more invested in basketball by my sophomore and junior year, they started joining along. And by the time I knew it, like graduating, they were both playing ball. They played JV, both played JV for us. And when I left, one they both ended up going to varsity, same high school, same coach. So they basically followed along my footsteps throughout the years. You know, they felt like people would always tell them, like, you know, you're not like your brother. And I told him, like, you don't have to be like me. Like, we were two different style players, you know. I was just more power and dominance. Some of them, one of them was finesse, one of them was a shooter. So, like, you know, I don't expect you to do what I did in high school. Just, you know, be the best you. You have Villanova coming up, which is a big trip. It's yeah. a big program. It's a program that Baker's been at. And now Baker's kind of homecoming. But Villanova's a program that went pretty deep in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And how are you guys preparing right now for that matchup? Uh, to be honest with you, we're just focusing on ourselves. You know, we want we want to be able to go out there and play Quinnipiac basketball. But at the end of the day, we want to be able to leave that game, not worrying about the score, but just saying to ourselves, man, we came out here, we gave it all, we played hard, you know, and whatever the outcome is, we'll take it, to be honest with you. But we just want to be satisfied with the outcome and how we got to the outcome. Because so. it's a great, I mean, it's a great first step in the season. Yeah. You, you can't find a better, you know, a non-conference game to, to start your season yeah, off with. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely the truth, you yeah. know. So, you know, a lot of us are definitely excited. But at the same time, you know, we just got to focus. Like I said before, just focus on us because at the end of the day, <laughs> it's going to be us versus them. So, right, yeah. you know, if you don't have the same uniform as us, then <laughs> we're not really worried about you. So uh, so you came in under uh, under Tom Moore, who was the, the former basketball coach and who I'm, I'm sure you were in contact with a lot when yeah. you were being recruited. Yeah. Um, and then partway through your career, there's a change at the helm. Yeah. Baker Dunleavy comes in as the new head coach. Yeah. So. You know, first of all, was there was there any point where you thought this is no longer the place I want to be, or was this was it always no? I'm sticking with the the Quinnipiac program no matter what. I mean, I've always been one of those kids that you know, f like that was focused on like a sense of loyalty to like a program. Like I've been loyal to my high school program, even though there were times where I felt like I wanted to get out and leave, but I was like, just finish it off. You know, it'll be worth it in the end. Same thing here. You know, after the first two years. I definitely did. It was moments where I was like, "Yo, I should just get out of here," especially when they got the new coaching change. Yeah, because you never know what's gonna what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what was gonna happen to be honest with you. So I was I was prepping myself mentally to the case where, because I, I did start feeling like 
I should probably get out of here. It's not the place for me no more, cause especially since I came under Tom Moore. Of course, yeah. But ironically, Coach Baker, and like this is not the first time we met. When I was in high school, I used to go to a lot of Villanova camps. I spent a lot of time in those camps. So you knew Baker? <laughs> yeah. Damn. So, yeah, and I then he coached that. one of our former high school players, too, uh, Moise Sutton. So I kind of knew of Baker, and I met him, like, at the camps, and he's seen me at the camps, too. So when he came in, it was a shock, and, you know, it was, it was definitely a shock because I, I, then they announced the name. I'm like, sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> sounds really familiar. <laughs> then I see him, I was like, oh, man, here we go. So, you know, um, sat and spoke with him. I was like, you know what, to be honest with you, I don't feel like starting over in a new program, especially with all the relationships I've developed just on this Quinnipiac campus. It's not even amongst the coaches staff. I'm just talking about teachers, students, workers in the cafeteria, public safety, any and everybody that I've met. And it would be tough to just go somewhere else and just start that foundation all over again. So, you know, I just decided to just finish off here. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's, there's a whole personal aspect yeah. of it that you have to weigh into it too. Yeah. Um, so what what are the changes that you, that you've seen in the program? I mean, even just from a day to day perspective, we're in the we're in the room right now. You're just about to go out to practice. So, yeah. you know, what changes has uh, Coach Dunleavy brought about? Um, it's different. The preparation is a lot different. Um, he's more, he cares about like player as far as player development. He's very focused on that. Um, our health, <laughs> recovery. Like he we makes us drink water so much disgusting <laughs> uh, so, much, so water. much water <laughs> and every morning we have to take a hydration test to see if we you know if we're hydrated and if we're not you're drinking so much more water so it's just you gotta like, make up for lost yeah, time yeah you definitely gotta make up for lost time and you know he spends a lot of time you know watching film with the players talking to the players just getting to know the players individually um, our organizations in the locker room are a little different you know just keeping the locker room clean you know rules and regulations you know he's he's like he's not a strict guy but he's like one of those where like he say something you get the point oh yeah yeah, yeah. you know he doesn't have to repeat himself you yeah. definitely will get the point so so he's got those expectations yeah for you guys. Yeah, yeah and like you know we do definitely follow up okay. and him coming from villanova did that kind of before he even walked in the door did you guys kind of have a sense of respect for him uh i mean you could you could say that just because like Coming from Villanova and just knowing the background at Villanova and knowing his background, because I did some personal research when I found out the name too, right. and I was like, wow, like you know, it's a lot that can be taught here for me. Like I could learn a lot from him. Um, so you know, it was like this high level of respect coming in because you know you're a part of a winning program. I, I'm personally as a competitor, I love to win. Yeah. So if you're from somewhere that's winning a lot, I'm definitely down to hear what you got to say. So, <laughs> um, so I mean. Uh, you know, you're coming in this year, picked third yeah. in the MAC. What are your expectations for Quinnipiac basketball this year? When you guys jump out on the court here uh, at the People's United Center, what can we expect from your team? Um, you can expect Quinnipiac basketball at its finest. Um, you know, we're, like right now we're a work in progress, to be honest with you. And but I love the direction that we, you know we're going in. Um, offensively, we're very talented at all different positions. Defensively, we're very athletic. We're long. We're big, physical. So, you know, we do, like, coming into this year, like, obviously people are saying, oh, we're third place, you know, you're expected to do this, this, and this. We don't see it as that. Because I told them, if you're not first, you're last. So, technically, we're back to where we started at last year again. So, 
we got to start the whole proving grounds all over again. So when we come back out there, just look for us to prove ourselves every time we step on the court. And as a senior, you know, you're, you're kind of acting as a leader now on this team. Yeah. So, so what are you going to be doing as a, as a leader to, to get some of these younger guys ready for, for conference play? Um, vocal. Just be as vocal as possible. I have to be the one to bring the energy every single day. Even when I'm having a bad day off the court, I can't let them see it when on the court. So, you know, I just got to let them know that – when you step in between this line, it does get personal. Like, you know, if you're not on my team, because even the times where we do go blue-gold, I do tend to, like, get physical with some of the new guys. But I'm just – this is just me, like, letting them know, like, hey, the other team, the other teams in this conference are not going to take it easy. So, honestly, why should I take it easy on you? And, you know, some of them do understand. They have started – they started to figure it out. You know, they ask questions, which is really – and that's one thing I love about them. They're all willing – and open to learn. They're very respectful, you know, the high character guys and always ready to go. So they you know, they they're picking up really well. I I think I, I think I wanna ask our questions that we always wrap our uh, interviews with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have one basketball one and then we have Dan has two that yes, yes. gets to know you as a as a person. Yes. That's cool. My first one is the basketball one. MJ versus LeBron, who do you think is the better <laughs> basketball player? Ah man, I I, I go with Depending on what we're looking at, if we're talking about overall, like passing, assists, like scoring, rebounding, shot blocking, right? You know, I definitely give it to LeBron in a sense. But if we're talking about like, I just need you to go out there and just give me a couple of wings and it's just yeah. handle business, and I'm taking <laughs> taking Michael Jordan any all day. Right. So. All right, all yeah. right. So, so more depends. of the yeah. like the game by game, yeah, that's how I see. Skill. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I see it. Yeah, uh, but if we're talking if we're talking like one on one, I'm talking about MJ. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. You talking about one guy, a guy that's like a one two dribble. All right, guy. I think compared to I think physically, I yeah, think LeBron yeah, could yeah, back him into the post. He could, but you got to first. Hope he misses. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah, so I, I can't say mine are mine are strictly basketball, and, and we'll go quick. Um, first one: uh, If you could live anywhere else in the world that isn't Hamden, Connecticut, where would it be, and why? To be honest with you, yeah, I've always wanted to go to like Greece. Okay, yeah, yeah. just what I see in like pictures and like it just looked like a beautiful place. I'm. I'm a nature type guy, you know. Some places where it's not a lot of like a lot of city life or anything, and like Greece just seems like the perfect location. Like, yeah, you know, the ocean, the, the ocean. Lake, yeah. Oh my god, you like, get a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, basically. So yeah, that's that's my choice for that. Nice. Uh, second one: If you could have dinner with anyone, either alive or deceased, who would it be and why? <laughs> this is a tough oh yeah. These are the could, thinkers. Yeah, these are the question. Yeah. You could do um, family members, like celebrities, anybody. To be honest with you, if we're talking family member, I want to meet my granddad. Okay. My mom speaks so highly of him every time. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those. He's just one of those people that I've heard stories about, and every story I've heard has been nothing but positivity. So, like, I really want to meet him. Like, what made you like if so influential to these people? Right. You know, especially me being his grandson, I could probably learn a couple of things from him. He could probably teach me a couple of things. So, you know, that's. The answer to that. That's, that's yeah. as good as an answer yeah. you can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the last one. So you are on death row. What is your last meal, your dinner, your drink, and your dessert? Um, last meal? I'm honestly going to have to go with lasagna. Ooh, like, I love man. that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. So you said dinner, right? Yep. Um, so you got a dinner, a drink, just, and dessert. a dessert. Yeah. A drink? 
Seems like water. Water. No, 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 no. I'm not touching water no more. I'm going because I take I take like a apple juice. I love cold apple juice. Cold apple juice nice. is like the best wow. thing ever. That's, like that. You know, if I'm getting breakfast in the calf or something, I'm cold getting a bottle juice. of apple juice. I'm on board with that and all day. Dessert is something chocolate related, like yeah. um, oil, like oil ice cream, or like Ooh, yeah, yeah, like it's just. I take that. So awesome, right, yeah. man. Love that. Hey, well, thank you so much for taking the time today, no and uh, best of luck in heading into the first game this weekend. Yes, thank sir. You Appreciate much. it. Well, that's going to do it here for episode number seven of the Quinnipiac Athletics podcast. Thanks so much again for joining us. Next week, it's our women's basketball episode, so make sure you stay tuned to Twitter uh, to find out who we're going to be talking to from them. But in the meantime, make sure you go online to QuinnipiacBobcats.com, get all your stories, stats, roster, schedules, tickets, and more anything you can think of from the athletic department. Make sure you follow all of the social media accounts. It's at QU Athletics. That's how you're going to find it. Make sure you follow uh, QU underscore MBB for the men's basketball program. And, Matt, we got one more thing that we got to make sure you're tuning into each week. Every Tuesday and Friday, Bobcats Weekly, Instagram TV, and Twitter. You got to find it. You got to follow it at QU Athletics. You're getting your recaps of the scores from the weekend and your preview of things to come for the next weekend. Of course, your major storylines, and you get to see some of the faces of the Quinnipiac Athletic Department. And you know what? Why not leave us a review if you like us? There little you five go. stars, little subscribe, unsubscribe action. If you like us, of <laughs> there course. We go. Uh, yeah, so make sure you're subscribing to the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. If you have any questions for our athletes, we'll be putting those out on Twitter throughout the week. So make sure you stay tuned to those. Matt, if we want to follow you, where are you at? At of 7 on Twitter and Instagram. Love that. And I am at Dan Ball, B A H L. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on next week's episode. Bye bye, everyone. theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click. (laughs) 